Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy. And today we have Finch. He is a content creator, influencer, speaker, and host of Off the Fence with Finch Podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Hey. Welcome. You memorize all that? Yeah. <laughs> Man, you better than me. <laughs> I have, to, I have right. to read off the cue cards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, to be honest, I do have a t-shirt. <laughs> Where is this at? It's a little white boy. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> I usually have it on the screen, but oh. you know, today we're doing a live session. Got so you. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So for our listeners, we also um Finch is also um in studio with us, so it's a very special moment for us. You know, we've had maybe two uh in-house guests this year. Okay. Not not counting Mercedes, who is a regular. So we're very honored to have you here with us today. Likewise, man. Glad to be here. So to get started for the listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, where you where you from? Oh, and man. How you get to L.A. or or are you from L.A.? I'm not from L.A. Okay. Man. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Yeah. So I'm a long way from home. You know, okay. but I made L.A. my home about almost 10 years ago now. So loving the city. I mean, you can't, L.A., you you know, outside of traffic, now, it took like nine hours to get here. But <laughs> outside of that, L.A. is beautiful, surrounded by mountains, beautiful yeah. weather every day. You can't be mad, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Atlanta, we've, we actually met in Atlanta. Ah. And, uh, yeah, we, used there. we used to live there. I lived in Marietta for, for uh, seven years. Tell us about Atlanta growing up for you in Atlanta, because, of course, we all, look up to Atlanta for where our hip hop culture yep. come from and that vibration. So what, what was it like for you? Man, you know, I had a unique childhood in Atlanta because I grew up in the housing projects of Atlanta. However, my mother crafted this wonderful idea that she wanted myself and my middle brother to have a different life experience. So she bust us out about an hour and some change away to beautiful Buckhead to go to school. Okay. So, we had a whole different experience when it came to our day life versus our night life. You know, in the daytime, we were surrounded by uh, an aristocratic community of people who had a wealth. You know, they had generations of wealth. Uh, their fathers were CEOs of companies, celebrities. And by night, <laughs> we were surrounded by drug dealers, you know, yeah. shooting and killings and murders in Atlanta. And so... Um, my life was a little different, you know, and I learned so much between the difference in how you live every day as a black man in Atlanta versus who you're surrounded with by daytime. Because I'm talking about politicians. We're talking about presidents, kids, you name it. They went to my school. My school was a performing arts school. So okay. that's why so many people were invested in that school. Today, that school is a hundred and fifty million dollar school. Wow. Yes. And it's. A one-of-a-kind school in Atlanta, you know. So, you know, Jasmine Guy, mother, taught at my school. She was my English teacher. So, okay. you know, that's the type of life I had by day versus by night. And as a kid, you don't understand the differences in, well, why my life like this versus like this. Like, I saw people with, I mean, like, I would go to friends' houses, and it was like day and night because I'm looking at the small apartment we lived in versus the big mansions they live in. So, yeah. you know, that was life for me in Atlanta, but my mother made sure we had, we didn't want for anything. So we didn't know we was poor, you know? So, you know, that was my life coming up in Atlanta. 
Understood. I I understand your perspective on that because um, I grew up playing cello in West Jackson, yeah, in Mississippi. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time in orchestra with you know different races of people, mm-hmm. but we also lived in West Jackson in the hood. Yeah, and it's funny that you brought that up as far as you didn't or that not knowing you were poor. I can't even say that I necessarily looked at it that way even mm-hmm. when we were growing up because. Well, you know, we still lived in West Jackson, but <laughs> I still acquired some things and learned some things. My mom did some things outside mm-hmm. of the box. Even we had an exchange student, right? You know, that lived in 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 the hood with us. And mm-hmm. when I went to live with him, I realized, oh man, living with us must have been <laughs> it must have been a whole different type of ball game or lifestyles or different experience for him. Right. So I, I I understand what you mean on yeah. you know being grateful for for at least understanding both ways of being exposed to how you where you want to be right and also understanding where your parents came from and Mm -hmm. why you are where you are as well yeah yeah and see you think about when you have an innovative mother and they want something more for you than they have for themselves that's now you exposed to various cultures you exposed to a whole different style of life that you didn't know existed a lot of my friends were corner boys, drug dealers, and a lot of them didn't make it out. I mean, I seen right. a couple of my friends not make it in our neighborhood. But when when your parents see something different, you I didn't grow up with my dad. I have a great relationship with my father now, but I didn't grow up with him. So right. not not having that environment and you know, not being in a two parent household or seeing life from my father's perspective. My father was an attorney for the King family. Like we talking about Martin Luther, them, you know? Okay. And so he had a whole different lifestyle than I had. And as a kid, when your, your mother put you in things that allow you to grow and flourish, I think that's the reason why my mind is the way it is now, because my mother taught me not to look at the poverty that we had, but to look at life in a different perspective and what I could be versus what I was, you know, what I could become versus who I was at that time. And so that made life different for me because otherwise I would not have been exposed to uh, Academy of Finance as a senior a junior and senior in high school. I was in a program that afforded me an internship that I didn't have to do anything for. It's just because of who I was connected to in the school I went to. You know, I was able to go to the Federal Reserve, you know, and just walk in. Hmm. Everybody from my neighborhood didn't get that. And I was telling my wife a couple of days ago, when we, you know, when we watch things and we look at how people think, okay, you grew up in the hood and you get an opportunity, people always equate that to you think you're better than us. Yeah, I got that a lot with my friends because my mother said, I don't want you to end up like them. You know what I'm saying? Their parents, some of their parents was on drugs and in, involved in a host of other things. And my mother was like, no, I don't want that for my kids. So let me expose them to a whole different dynamic, a whole different culture so that they grow up thinking, okay, it's something better than the hood. And yeah. I think in our society, we don't oftentimes teach our kids when we grow up in the hood. And it's, it's primarily because out of ignorance. Hey, there's better for you. You don't have to succumb to this mentality you can be more and that's one of the things i loved about my mom was she taught me i could become more and i could dream bigger than what i probably would have had had i went to a school in my neighborhood you know so right. and it, i understand what you mean it's like 
you want to be, I'm great. You know, we're grateful for knowing that we can make it out and some of us are going to make it out. And we also have, you know, like I said, our people that are probably not going to make it out and we just still want to be, you know, understandable of each, Mm -hmm. each one, you know, it's not saying that, you know, we don't understand where we came from, but we also know that, Hey, I'm, you know, like you said, feeling like you're better than anybody else. No, that's not the case. It's just wanting to want better or want something different or want a Los Angeles versus, you know, a Mississippi. There's a big difference, but it's, you know, it's hard to explain. It's not necessarily saying that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm better than my people back in Mississippi just because I I do often say, Hey man, y'all, you got to check out, you know, Los Angeles. And, you know, sometimes you get a feeling of, you know, everybody can't do that, but it's like, yo, it's a similar struggle. It was the same type of fight, same thing Mm -hmm. out there. It's just a lot more opportunity as well. So, I'm not saying, yo, I'm knocking where I came from, whether right. it's West Jackson, everybody that didn't make it out, anything, not knocking that as well. Cause you know, it's, it's to have, still have that heart. Like, yo, this is my people, but I'm not saying that I would thrive in it today. Right. Yeah. I still wouldn't. And it's not, I'm still not saying I'm better than that, but it's like, yo, I would rather pull you right. into a, you know, uh, to see something else because I've seen that as mm-hmm. well. And that's kind of what it is for me. I like to try to promote and I try not to come off like I'm pushing somebody outside of their comfort zone so much, but I do like to promote, even in Atlanta, I, I say, Hey man, Atlanta people, I like for y'all to come out and check out Los Angeles, yeah. you know, because I know that power in Atlanta as well. And I, I, I see a difference in certain things that go on out here because even since we've been out in Los Angeles, we've been on more of the downtown yeah. North side. So we don't necessarily, know what's going on in the black communities of Los Angeles. We know what's going on, but you know, there's still that it's a, it's a hesitation to a certain degree, yeah. you know, because it's not our hood and we understand, I drove Uber here. So I, I got an understanding of, of what's going on, but it's not necessarily saying that, or I can, like I said, I see some help that could take place that I see that is really thriving in Atlanta. Yeah. And I've always wondered, could that connection ever, right. ever happen? Yeah. And wondered why and certain things like that. But it's not saying that, you know, Los Angeles is better than Atlanta. It's not saying that Atlanta is better than Los Angeles. It's not even saying from Mississippi that Mississippi is better than Los or Atlanta is better, you know, but understanding opportunity and a difference. You know, when I went to Brazil at 15, I saw a difference that mm. let me know, yo, I'm not living in Mississippi my whole life. Ain't no way, you know? So, <laughs> and, and it, 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 it blew up even more from America. Cause it's more like, yo, all right, I'm not even living in America my whole life. Right. There's that much of a possibility because I know a lot of people still say, all right, we can live in, a, you know, America is the place, but sometimes we don't even know what is overseas that's even for us as well that's true yes they have their ghettos and hoods and stuff overseas as well not saying it's any different same struggles yep. but you know it's more encouragement than saying that you know you're better than anybody just because you were exposed to yeah buckhead versus bankhead <laughs> in some cases you are and it's not a better is i'm better than you but because of what you're 
you are exposed to, you have a better grasp, you have a better mentality. And let's face it, that's just true. You know, in, in, in some aspects, my mother made me better than a lot of my neighbors and a lot of my friends because of the mentality I was able to adopt. Not having a ghetto mentality allowed me to get out of the ghetto. Like you yeah. can go back to Atlanta now and some of those same people are doing the same thing and living in the same in the same neighborhoods. It's kind of scary. Because <laughs> the cycle was perpetuated because their mothers lived there, their mother's mother lived there, their mother's mother lived there, they lived there, their kids lived there, and that cycle goes on. And until you shift and change that mindset, we could have been them. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Easily. Easy. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm grateful even now to where, you know, my family, we've grew up in West Jackson, but West Jackson is West Jackson. And I'm grateful that my, to still have my whole family. And that you you're know, not in West Jackson. And that I'm not in West Jackson, you know. And, if, you know, like I said, my family is still in West Jackson, and I still have to be grateful that I still have my family because they even survived West Jackson, yeah. you know. and But a lot of them looking at you because, listen, I love Atlanta, but the fact that I live in, Los Angeles, a lot of friends and family see it as, oh, wow, you live in Los Angeles. And they don't see themselves ever being able to do that. And I want to encourage that, you know, that's not the case. Right. We've, I, I drove Uber when I first got here for the year and a half. Um, my wife is a web developer, but when we moved out here, the things we were planning on working out didn't work out. Yeah. So we basically just had to, we, we not leaving. <laughs> so, and it, we're blessed to, Hey, it worked out. It worked know? out. And I, like I said, after, after, um, driving Uber for a year and a half, that helped because I got a chance to learn the people learn, mm. you know, different areas of LA. I learned it. A lot of people that be on the South side, don't go to the North side. A lot of people that's on the North side, don't go to the South side, East side, West side, you know, <laughs> people don't go everywhere, you know? So it's similar to different cities. Um, but one of the things when I left from street performing, I mean, well, from, from driving Uber, I went to street performing. Okay. So it wasn't, it's in downtown LA. It's, where more homeless people are, mm -hmm. but it's not a gang area. It's not a, a area that I guess, you know, used to maybe they keep talking about how LA has changed. This area has changed from mm -hmm. 10, 20 years ago, however, but it's not what I would call a dangerous neighborhood. Other right. people would look at downtown LA as something else. They would look at the home people, homeless people as one thing, but no, downtown LA is not a dangerous neighborhood. Yeah. And it could be my personal opinion, but you're talking to a black man that played the cello on the sidewalk and got love from everybody. A lot of people didn't have no problem like that. Yeah. So I would say it's not a dangerous place. A lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't feel the same. Yeah. But that's the experience in what this type of big city has taught me. Even in Atlanta. Atlanta, I was first, the first friend I stayed with, Franklin Road in Marietta. Oh, okay. Didn't know anything about Franklin Road. It was just more of I'm transitioning, you know, then later on to learn, it's like, oh, Franklin LaRoe wasn't quite good of a, <laughs> had a rep, <laughs> but that's, you know, it came, it was the transition, you know, and I'm here now. Yeah. And even when I first left Mississippi, I left with $400 and came to Long Beach. 
and then, you know, life went on from there. I had a hundred dollars when I left Atlanta. Mm. Probably uh-huh. no, not even a hundred, ninety-eight dollars. So <laughs> and I, when you came here. I came here, <laughs> one-way ticket. <laughs> Uh, man that was fast (laughs) i think i I think that 98 dollars lasted me two weeks wow and and crazy story a week after i got here i landed a brand deal with microsoft and they flew me out to seattle for a week and when i came back to la it was like okay now I can make some money because at first it was like I was homeless. I was sleeping in a, a transitional house, literally didn't have a clue on what life was going to be like at that yeah. point. Like I flew here. Story. Got to tell it to you. Yeah. Got to tell it. It's yeah. my wife. Uh, <laughs> I call it coconut. Y'all might call it cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was dealing with a lot of life issues at the time, right? Needed a transition. I have a friend, well-known actor. The year before that, he was going through a lot of stuff. We shared the same birthday. So we used to call each other on our birthdays. So I called him the year before and he was like, man, I'm broke. I was like, you broke? How you broke? (laughs) You know, because when you see people on television, you don't think they can go broke. Right. And he was like, people want money. They want me to spend money. I don't have any money to spend. And literally, he was losing it. And he was like, man, you're the only person who phone call I answered today. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Spent a little time talking, encouraged him. Fast forward a year later, I'm dealing with something similar. And I'm literally sitting in my truck in Atlanta contemplating suicide. Literally, like, I want to end it all. Ain't even worth it. I text him and I said, "Hey, man, you remember a year ago on our birthdays when you was dealing with your 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 situation? Because at this point, he's on a new show, thriving." I said, "How did you bounce back?" He didn't text me back. He called me. Yo, what's going on, dude? And I was like, "Man, I'm just dealing with it." He's like, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm in Atlanta." He said, "That's your problem." I said, "What you mean? You need to be in L.A." What do you need to get here? I was like, man, place to stay, work, money. Literally, probably a few days later, he sent me money to buy a one-way plane ticket. Mm. That's how I got here. He set me up to get an apartment with these two guys that worked in production. They dropped the ball. And I, this is something I learned about L.A. You got to be on it when it comes to finding a place to live in oh, Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They dropped the ball. They were supposed to go by, do something, drop off some money or something that he had given them. They didn't do it. Day before I got here, I learned I didn't have a place to stay. Mm. Literally, day before I got here, still got on the plane, came here, was calling different places, Salvation Army, and the second place I called, I can't remember the name of it, uh, my friend's house or something like that. Got answered phones like, all right, come in tomorrow morning. It was like a Saturday morning because my flight was like Saturday evening. And I was concerned because all the places I was calling was like, you got to have, you got to live here already and be homeless here in LA. And I was like, well, I'm going to be homeless coming to LA. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, like, that wasn't the plan, but I'm going to be homeless. I'm not currently homeless because I'm living in Atlanta. And so I was trying to outsmart the system because I was like, I already got this ticket. I'm not not coming. <laughs> and I got here and the guy was like, man, just call me when you when you get to the airport. 
he he sent a car. He came and got me from the airport, and I was standing in this place, man. I'm talking about we in the bunk beds in this room. It's a lot of beds in this room, and it was probably one of the worst experiences I had ever had up until that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if I can just survive this night, I knew it would get better. And literally a week later, I got a brand deal from Microsoft to roll out the Xbox, the Xbox One when it first came out, and that changed my life. Wow. Literally, that that's the story of how I got to LA. <laughs> that changed my life. And like the guy, the uh my friend that I was telling you about, he um he let me come work for him on the weekends and he paid me um to to come work for him. He had this football league, this bunch of celebrities that used to play in this football league up in Woodland Hills. And so that's how I start that's how I started making it here. And it was a struggle for about seven months because I bounced around and she, me and my wife were just talking about this on the way here. We was passing um, 6th Street, and I remember a hotel I used to stay in. I used to bounce around from hotel to hotel, and I was like, yo, I remember this hotel I used to stay in right here, and literally I could put my hands on the wall. The room was so small. Wow. But I was just happy not to be living outside because I had a fear of ending up on Skid Row, and I was like, mm. I didn't come this far to just come this far and be outdoors. So I was happy. And I had a, a, a lot of people who supported me at that time, whether they was paying for a hotel room for a week, getting me a rental car, cause I didn't have a car when I first got here. You know, I came here with two suitcases and $98, you know what I'm saying? And so oftentimes we don't look at the journey enough because we're looking at where we're not versus how far we've come. and Every time I think about that, even now, thinking about life now, like, man, you made it. That's a lot of people come here, end up leaving here. They end up on the streets or or worse. But I've been here 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful and I'm grateful for this journey. Yeah, I'm glad you told that story because I just talked to somebody today that's single, pretty comfortable in life and was looking to move here but still is like oh, i don't know it looks mm. you know it's, it's pretty scary you know cost of living and all of this stuff you tell yourself about moving here but it's like even when we moved here it was you know we probably could have saved up more and you know we were pretty comfortable where mm. we were but i was in the mindset of i don't care if we have to if we don't find an apartment, I don't care if we have to stay in somebody's couch as an Airbnb. Like, I just want to go and we'll figure it out from there. And that's kind of. We had three days in Airbnb yep. and then we got this apartment. Wow. Yeah. So you like her. <laughs> that's how she yeah. be talking. Yeah. Pick that mic up. Yeah. That's how she be talking. What you it literally what you just said is how my wife talks to me about you just gotta do it. And I mm-hmm. think so many times I'm guilty of this myself. We talk ourselves out of doing stuff because yeah. we look at what if this happened? What if what if it don't? <laughs> you know, like, you know, I have this saying, go after what you want so you don't have to settle for what you can get. And it sounds like that's what you guys did. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, we move into L.A. We don't care and we're going to make it. You know, I think sometimes we have we allow 
that one little trickle of doubt to come into our, our, our mindset, our mind space. And once that happens, it starts compounding. So now we start thinking about all the things we can't do that we never focus on the things that we actually can do. And so this is why I love this woman. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce uh, yourself. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for having me. I'm Cole, 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 <laughs> which is coconut. <laughs> you pull a little closer, pull your mic a little closer. Pull your mic closer to your mouth. Yeah. You Can y'all hear me now? Yeah. Let's put it on from this thigh. Okay. Y'all hear me now? That's good. Yeah, yeah that's good. I'll, I'll reintroduce myself, but I'm Cole, Coco, and Finch's Coconut. That's right. But, uh... <laughs> so where are you from? So I'm actually uh, born and raised from New Orleans, Louisiana. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Y'all don't so, hear that? So you got Mississippi, <laughs> Atlanta, and New Orleans. Yeah. As Finch says, dirty south. Yeah, the N-O. <laughs> NOLA. Yeah, so I um born and raised in New Orleans, uh, living here in L.A. with my husband. Uh, but I've traveled all over the world, too, and I can relate so much to just this conversation. You know, having the opportunity to see the world from a different perspective allows you to grow in so many ways. And when you're able to reach back into your community, even if it's just as an example, you know, someone seeing you come from the same place that they've come from now being able to travel to different places and see different places, live in different places, you know, gives hope. And I'm, I'm, I am just like you, I tell him now, like we have to be present. You have to live like you only have right now. So Let's go. Like, get your ass up and let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> you didn't ask them if you could cuss. Uh, no, I uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. you Look, I'm from New Orleans, so we, we, we speak with color. You might get them so, banned with the FCC. <laughs> uh, no, no, we're yeah, we're good. So what's your feel on Los Angeles? Man, it's beautiful. You know, um, being a, a little black girl from New Orleans who is surrounded by water and not beautiful water like this. I'm talking about the Mississippi River. <laughs> yeah, you know I what I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> having days driving across the bridge, like, oh my God, the water. And now living and breathing and seeing that daily in California is just, it's a dream. You know, when they say California dreaming, it's definitely a dream. But when you can put all of your aspirations and your you know, just strength into living your dream, it's possible, you know? Yeah. And so um, for me, living here has been an experience, but also a change in perspective because it's not just, oh, I made it to California. I made it in life, right? It's another opportunity. And so I'm going to live it and take, look, take my husband on this road and we're going to do the damn thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so living in California has definitely been an experience for me um and just seeing life from a different perspective you know seeing homeless I, i've lived in houston for eight and a half years and oh, okay. um seeing the the poverty and just homeless um side of the world is it's sad it can be depressing you know it makes you think about what you have and grateful for those things but also wanting to help and remembering your purpose and your why for why you're even here to help others. So, yeah. you know, I try not to get too caught up in, oh, I'm living in Cali, so I'm living life, I'm doing good. You need to come here, like y'all was saying, being better than people. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not about that at all. Like right. I'm looking for more ways to help so I can help the people who see me on a daily and say, okay, I, I see you girl, like I can do it too. Yeah. It's yeah. all possible. So, you know, that's what Cali has done for me living here. Just 
change my perspective and mindset on how I move in the world and how I can be of service to others. Yeah. What inspired you to get into uh, podcasting? Ooh, um, the pandemic. Okay. You know, I, I, well, let me correct that. The pandemic is what got me to start podcasting. I did radio in Atlanta 11, 12 years ago. And so I really wanted to do radio again, but let me see. 2018, I had an opportunity uh, to do a uh, show on iHeart. Well, when the deal fell through, I was just like, okay, maybe it's not meant for me to come back and reboot what I used to do. You know, I think sometimes we're trying to live in the yesteryear, and I, I was trying to make sure I wasn't stuck in a time period where I was popping. And, yes. <laughs> you know, and so I was like, all right. And then a couple of my friends was like, two years later, you need to do, you need to come back. The, the, the world needs to hear your voice. And I was like, mm, I tried that, you know, I tried to come back two years ago. It didn't work. It was like, nah, I do podcasting. What is that? Cause I'm accustomed to radio. <laughs> so yeah. podcasting I had heard about, but I wasn't sure how it worked in comparison to radio. And so we brainstormed and we created off the fence with Finch. And I was like, all right, I just want to have conversations with people. And more importantly, move people in a direction of life that enhances their lives, that enhances their careers, their finances, uh, their relationships, and get their ass off the fence yeah. about where they're sitting in life so that they can be all that they can be and be the, become the best version of themselves. So that's what really got me going with podcasting. And the pandemic, I mean, I had literally, I, I just did NASCAR yesterday, this, this past weekend. Okay. I had just finished NASCAR uh march 2020 same date same date mm -hmm. and everything stopped you know like so now you're looking at no work because the industry was shut down completely and so i said i need to put myself in a position where i don't have to physically be in a place to get paid because as a talent you only get paid if you show up yeah. and if you only work it you know and i came from working uh i do college football I am the uh, host for the college football biggest tailgate on this side of the world. Okay. And so all that's gone. You're talking about a whole year with no sports, you know, mm. no, no outdoor events, no work. And I'm like, that can't be my life. That will not be the end of me. And so another way, and I think for me, podcasting was therapeutic too, okay. because it allowed me to talk to people and really get back into the groove of radio but it was podcasting. And so yeah. that's kind of what, what inspired me and got me really got me going was just the pandemic, man, and being stuck <laughs> in the house and not being able to do anything um, because life completely changed for everybody. So I agree because it was a brand new experience being here, period, for yeah. me just to see downtown L.A. turn off. Yes. You know, and, and I've expressed it on a couple other podcasts that, you know, it was just it definitely made you go back to the drawing board to see the whole music industry change down. Yep. And I was, you know, doing more producing and stuff like that then. So, yeah, it was it was something that was. It was brand new. She started vlogging and it was more of an addition to the mm -hmm. to the studio, you know, so we already had the recording stuff and it was like, all right, we'll put the you know, do some investments and get yep. some podcast stuff and then go 
that way. And yeah, like you said, it became therapeutic. When yeah. I turn off the music um, light or basically the whole energy with that, and it shifted over into podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a real, you know, yeah. positive energy, and it was a way to communicate because, of course, as a musician, people will put a title on you, you know, and it's a certain level of respect that comes mm-hmm. with it, uh, respect that comes with it. And I've started to notice it. Got an opportunity to switch it up. So, and this was more of like, yeah, let me recreate, yeah. kind of recreate myself. You know, music stuff is always going to be there. And started October 11th. Mm. It rained on the studio 2020, December 28, 2020. Wow. Yeah. So they basically had to redo this whole room wow. raw for about a year. And then we came back. They didn't have to, they left this up. So that's why this wall is still up. But this whole room was at the um, soundproof on it. Oh my goodness. And it, it was, you know, it kind of, it hurt a little bit to, yeah. you know, it was a lot that I put into it to build, to put it together. And then I kind of really wasn't, you know, didn't have the energy and mm-hmm. didn't really wasn't motivated to put it back up the same. So we just work with what we got and slowly put things back together. And when we crunk up um, in the end of December, January and signed up with matchmaker mm-hmm. FM, shout out to matchmaker <laughs> 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 things been rolling this is like our second podcast recording for the day oh that's good yeah so we've we've been it's been moving it's been therapeutic it's it's something that i'm i'm super grateful for yeah yeah podcasting is i'm i'm still learning it you know i'm always amazed at the accomplishments you know how many how long ago was that was that last month with that with the apple thing that was was so like I said, we I, we are not fourth season of podcasting, you know, of, of our show rather. Okay. And I'm looking at where we started versus where we are now. Like literally last week, we was named top 100 black podcast, and we landed at number ten. Nice. In January, thank okay. you. And in January, we was named top 200 podcast by Apple. So wow. it's like, wow, man, and so the more I'm learning, I feel like with the show and you guys may feel this with your show, I was still trying to get my footing, like trying to find the niche of where I really wanted to be. Am I really speaking the voice I want on my show? Is the show really me? I'm just entertaining people. You know, I don't believe in just, just doing it. It's like, are we making a difference? Are we impact? We was just talking about this on the way over here. I ain't gonna say no names, but like you look at certain people and they're not talking about anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why the foundation, even with ours is for me to learn something, you know? So before this, it was more of, you know, a lot of stuff, stuff was evolved around music. So Mm -hmm. my attention span was kind of short. So (laughs) now putting music completely to the side and now doing podcasting, we don't have really any, you know, we, our topics are pretty open. So we get people from, Yes. different types of top i'm learning about everything now and that's basically what it was about and you know so i can it's it's just more genuine yep. i get i'm getting to meet people they're not looking at me like a musician and you know have me in this little bubble and it's yeah. it's genuine you yeah know? do you feel like it's different from radio you know 
crazy. Yes and no. Radio, like we was looking at the radio show numbers the other day, and I was like, man, look at all the numbers we used to do, like on the air, you know. But we had call-ins, we had we had a live chat going on. It was so many other elements, and I was on every day, like well, not every day, Monday through Friday, you know. That's the difference because now we only do Tuesdays, <laughs> you know. What I'm saying one day a week that we actually during the show, but. That's seven days a week. Of, well, because we, we decided to stop working on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, we don't do any business on Saturday anymore. That's just our day because we're working on the podcast literally six days a week. Yeah. So it's a lot of work because. She barely ever turn off. Yeah. Yeah. I, Sundays, Sundays, I, Sundays I, I got to be. I give I'm, myself Sunday. Yeah. Sunday's off and we go to the beach. You know, we have our yeah. beach day to wear. Yeah. Yep. I usually. have a de-stress day. Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to disconnect yeah. because when you don't disconnect, you just carry the workload and all the burdens that come with it, all of your uh, self-imposed expectations, you know, and when those things start to mount up, man, you're going to stay on the fence forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so the difference for me is not having the date. Now, that's one of the things I miss. So that's kind of why I started doing my podcast live. Like we live stream the podcast because I miss the interactions with people. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm used to being on a show every day where I get to talk to people. Right. The the you know the fans of the city, the fans of the show, fans of the station. They're calling in, they're talking to you, and I missed that when it came to podcasting. And so I was like, well, let's do live now on you know when we do the show and we get a chance to talk to people in the comments. You know, right. not the same, but still a you know a one-off for not being able to talk to people live but i'm looking at ways to incorporate live call-ins because i want to get back to that as well but radio and podcasting in just is the same to me you know because you're talking to people the difference is when i'm done doing it live i have one audience there but it's now going to be distributed apple iheart pandora you know spotify so you're going to have a whole different audience that won't ever talk to you you know you may not ever see their comments or how your your topic or subject has impacted them so unless they write into you if you if you have that you know and and we have that you know people can write in and and give us i mean ask for advice but outside of that i think they're both in the same medium and i love them both equally it's almost Mm -hmm. like having two different children and you gotta love them both (laughs) equally uh radio and podcasting to me it's always going to be therapeutic because it allows me to talk about stuff to people just like you. It allows me to learn people. I've met yeah. so many wonderful people doing radio and now doing podcasting that I wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to meet. I'm meeting y'all, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, I think for me, it's always that element of being able to connect with people uh, of all walks of life from all different parts of the world and hearing their stories. And then I think one of the joys of what I do on my podcast is helping my guests get off the fence, you know, and because a lot of them are experts, some of them are renowned. And so they may not look at themselves as sitting on the fence, but I have a unique opportunity to pull that out of them and help them move from where they are. Most times they're uncomfortable in in a state because just like you said, think about this for a second. They are accustomed to being in a bubble because of society's expectations of them due to what they do. 
So oftentimes they don't know how to live themselves. And so when we start looking at podcasting, radio, or whatever medium we have to connect with people, we have to always utilize that to make a difference in their lives because we might be looking at them coming on to do something for us, but in, in just, we can do something for them as well. Yeah. That's how I see it. You know? Yeah. I feel a lot of guests or some, a lot of our guests have gotten something from us and just as much as we get from them as well. Yep. Like you said, a lot of professionals and a bunch of different walks of life, man, we've had some amazing guests that have been through yeah. some stuff that we've never been through that couldn't imagine going through. It's still one guest that I think about is like, man, even as she's sitting there telling us her story of, you know, being in the hospital, mm. you know, I'm in my mind, I'm like, this person didn't make it, but right. I'm sitting here talking to this right. person, but I'm still like, this is crazy. This is amazing. This is, you know, so yeah, yeah. Gratitude is one of the things. And even to go back to, you know, being able to close, uh, turn off certain things as a music producer, produce the song, write the song, record the song, promote the song. It was the whole hamster wheel that I had going that, you know, even going into this, it was like, all right, no, I'm gonna have shut off moments, no doubt to where, you know, I don't have to worry. I'm not thinking about it. I'm Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, not going to stress it like that. And because the, the music anxiety really built up into a whole different ball game and yeah, podcasting is definitely a yeah a, a, a safe space. You could say. <laughs> I used to be in the music business a long time ago. A long time ago, I had a record deal, and uh, I was an artist. I wasn't a musician. Okay. I, you know, uh, I played the flute. <laughs> so you okay. know, long way from the flute and the clarinet. Uh, what I played in elementary school, but I understand how that how the industry works and how much of a hold it can have on you. And again, expectations, not just from it, but also from yourself, you know, and when you look at the escape for me, when I'm first moved here, my escape was always the beach, always Mm -hmm. the beach, because out at the beach, you got a chance to see life in motion, water moving, clouds moving, wind blowing, you know what I'm saying? People enjoying the fruits of the labors of the week, you know what I'm saying? And one of the things I learned, um, I remember having my rental car. I had a friend of mine rented me a car for a month, (laughs) literally a month. And I told you guys when I moved here, I didn't have a car when I first moved here. And the friend got me this car because of the deal with Microsoft. You know, Microsoft had a deal with Best Buy, so I had to travel. And I was like, I got to get around. So it was like, well, we got an extra car, but it's it's in the shop right now. So let us rent you a car for a month. And I remember when I first got that car, man, drove our, our way out to uh, Chatsworth. <sighs> man, first thing I did when I got in that car and he gave me the keys, went to the beach, went to Malibu. And I used to go there every day because I learned being out there on the water also helps with your creativity. Helps your mental, you know, it frees your mind. Think about when you close your eyes and you hear the water waves crashing on sand. Man, that's so refreshing. Oh, yeah. So I used to go there to escape not just life, but also to, I, I think, in, infuse my creativity because it allowed me to think about the next couple steps. You know what I'm saying? And so 
we haven't been to the beach in a minute, huh? We got to go. <laughs> Our favorite beach is Laguna. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. We say, actually go snorkel. And we you been there? We got to go. Yeah, so that's one of my ask, favorite. What's your too. favorite beaches? Man, I love Malibu, uh, but Laguna. We used to go to yeah. Malibu too. They're like neck and neck for me. Yeah, um, yeah, I gotta take you to Laguna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Laguna is is nice. It's a know? different. And it's a different atmosphere there. Seriously, yeah. yeah. I had a knee injury. What year was that? Probably my second year here, and Laguna's where I used to go to rehab, and man. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. You think Malibu is beautiful, Laguna? Yeah. And they got yeah. that that spot out there. Um, what's that spot we drove way out to eat at? That had the uh, it had like the uh, lobster, the lobster roll. Oh, I but they got one at the Laguna. If it's still open, you know, it's been pandemic, so it it may not survive. But yeah, it's around it. It's a it's so beautiful. That's the place they have. Um, they call that place uh the thousand steps yeah is that uh, what it's called where we go yeah there's a thousand steps beach that's one of the popular ones yeah um, we go to crescent bay shaw's cove where's that uh it's in laguna you know there's a bunch of beaches in laguna um how far that's it's still on the the pch yeah i think it's before you get to thousand steps oh okay it's probably yeah, like 15 minutes or so okay okay we yeah. still haven't been to that one actually a thousand yeah. steps yeah yeah i gotta go there the I, i've heard about to, that one it's popular for snorkeling and stuff there's it's snorkeling. a reserve yeah. there so you can't fish or anything wait so a minute black folks snorkel yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And, whoever is listening if you guys are into snorkeling we're trying to recruit uh, people because it's yes. just two of us and sometimes we want a group of people oh, like, oh man you know, if a whale pull up or a seal yeah. we, we want to be in who a group gonna of save people. you from a whale <laughs> we've actually seen them pass by I went well we were on the shore but uh, we, you, you know we've you seen see them pass more by dolphins. you've never yeah. been in the water and one no, no, no. We not. just came out the water and I saw oh, where yeah. we were just swimming. Yeah. There's popular times, migration season, mm -mm. and California yeah. has a lot of dolphins. But you know, there's people swim you know, I see people swimming towards them and swimming around them. So they're not really gonna mess with you. Yeah. And there's seals where we swim. Uh we don't really get to see them when we're down there because I kinda know where they're gonna be and I'm not gonna swim that way. Oh. Yeah. But uh, we've seen like stingrays, eels, wow. uh, and they're right there, right in the shore. They're just, I guess, I bet that's moving around to see. Yeah. yeah, we have some YouTube videos that oh, nice. show some stuff. So okay, yeah, I gotta check, check those out. Yeah, yeah. but we're yeah. always looking for more people to join us because we're like, hey, <laughs> I want to go out a little further. She don't want to go out too far, too far. But right. you know, always looking, like I said, for some people. So I've here, been here's the question: snorkeling. Yeah. How far down do you have to go to for it to be counted as a snorkel? No, well, see, snorkeling is really more surface. Oh, it's a surface. It's yeah. really, yeah. But you can dive. Like we go Scuba down dive. and yeah. as long as you can, because it will uh, close up when you go below the oh, water. Yeah. So you okay. can't breathe anymore. So however, you basically you can hold your breath. breath. Yeah. Oh. So I'm trying to get into um, deep diving because people can hold their breath for like six, six minutes, free diving. 
okay. six minutes. And in that case, you can go down and explore a little bit longer. Six minutes. They say, yeah, yeah they, you can you can hold your breath for a long time. It's, of yeah. course, you have to be taught. Yeah, you got to be conditioned mental. for that. Yeah. But they, but Even, the class though, they they make it seem like you know it yeah. don't take long at all. They have you holding your breath from like four or five minutes. Yeah, they they promise no you time, uh, yeah. when you leave the class, you can hold it for I think like three minutes for beginners. And then you can build up six minutes for like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to taking the class, but you know they give the class in swimming pool. You know they'll teach you how oh. to hold your breath, how to hold your breath there in the yeah. pool. You know they do more more of the classes there, and then yeah. you know she can't swim. No, I can't. You cannot swim. I can't. Cannot. Do you want to learn how to swim? Of he course likes I teaching do. people. So I, oh, really? I can teach you how to swim in that pool out there. Yes. Yeah, I'm I've, definitely looking, but I need someone who I can trust. I was I got my I got my lifeguard license experience. at 15 got my lifeguard <laughs> yeah. license at 15 okay. and I was a lifeguard for about five about five six years always been swimming my family all oh, my cool. siblings have, have yeah. had the lifeguard license swimming is in the family cousin swim and I taught a friend of ours he's actually in Benin now uh, oh but nice he's um taught him how to swim basically okay in that in that pool you yeah. got a good resume, I and it's it's life changing. You know, I, I, I used to, I've taught patient. plenty of kids. You know, I you know, I I have a p specific have formula. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't take much. Just you know, once you get your glide right, your kick right, your arms going, and then get more comfortable with the water. And a lot of it is you being more a little more comfortable in the water. Period. Yeah. You know, and it allow you to kind of become one with the water and you know swim a lot better. But believe it or not. The ocean hold you up a whole lot better than the swimming pool. Yeah, salt water, salt yeah. water, yeah, hold you up real easy. Yeah, and that's you know with snorkeling, that's what makes snorkeling pretty fun. Once you get you know the hang of it, you got your snorkeling, and just basically you're on the surface and you just kind of you know you can breathe. Yeah, and you're just on the top of the water with your fins and you go you can go across the surface. Yeah, snorkeling. So what happens like if you go under and you're trying to hold your breath for the six minutes and you breathe? Well, you know, you're gonna get some, gonna get some, get some water in your body, you know. But uh, as long as you can get back to the, you know, yeah, the okay. top and you know, <laughs> to get, you know, yeah, as long as you don't pass out yeah, under right. there, then you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm still but, out of shape, so I go right down and come right back up because yeah, can't and I haven't breath. conditioned my oxygen yet, but I'm looking forward to taking the free diving classes yeah. and everything. I have big old fins and everything. Oh, you ready? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I think when you talked about deep deep diving uh, yeah. free diving. it's like free, oh, diving. free, diving. free yeah. diving yeah so how far down would that take you oh they go oh, it depends yeah. on your expertise they go yeah they go. especially deep, if they can hold their breath for about you know they do it as a sport so you know it's hold your breath for about seven minutes you know they mm. yeah, go they all the way down it's different techniques that come there. with it mm -mm. i'm trying to do it more just for fun just you know yeah. i want to be able to hold my breath for at least five or six minutes and go down there and see some stuff and you know but scuba <laughs> diving is it's a little you know a little different requires a lot more um I, I don't have any experience with that either but you know from you have to take some classes mm. and can't come up you know immediately there's a lot of rules that come along yeah. with it it's pretty technical to me so i haven't really just pushed towards scuba diving versus i think for me personally i feel a little bit yeah a little better if i can just hold my breath go down there do what I can do and come on back up. Mm. Yeah. But I really would like to encourage any swimmers that <laughs> would like to, you know, come swim with us at Laguna Beach. 
please That sounds do. like an invitation, even for the non-swimmers. Yeah. Well, I would like to teach you how to swim first. <laughs> it does make me nervous if you can't swim and around the ocean. The ocean has no respect. It will hold you up, but, you know, still. That's about it, safe. though. It'll hold you up to the top. But if you get caught in that wave the wrong way. Yeah. He said, you're not, you not going to drown on his watch. <laughs> not going to do that. Get your swimming lessons. I'm definitely interested in some swimming lessons, though. Well, it's heating yeah. up, so, you know, <laughs> definitely, you know, let me know. And I actually, I, it's some, that's something that's really kind of been on me a little bit in putting out something to um, teach people or to see if, you know, just get students every once in a while. Not a lot of people, but just kind of maybe teaching some people, taking some swimming lessons. Every once in a while, because it was pretty inspiring when I taught my friend and I could see the energy yeah. Yeah. that he had and the confidence that, you know, how much better he felt, period. Yeah. You know, and it matters. You know, swimming does matter. Yeah. But black people swim. Black people <laughs> yeah. do swim good. That's for know, certain. Black know. people do swim. Black, black mm -hmm. people do swim. So don't yeah. think that stereotype that black people don't know. Black people swim good. <laughs> so. I guess we're running around probably around the, the hour mark. We're not going to hold you too long. Um, I think actually, even though it's still a lot, I'd rather talk about with LA because, you know, we just want Super Bowl and all this other yeah. stuff, you know, so, but <laughs> before closing it out, is there anything you would, you know, like to let the people know or share with us any projects that you're working on? Cause it's, it's been super inspiring sitting there talking to you. like i said i can go on for days <laughs> a little bit more but you you are one of the the few that have come in so i'm gonna definitely leave some room for you to come back oh good yeah. good good definitely grateful that you brought your lovely wife thank with you, you. Yeah. thank y'all and you know this we've been waiting on this four mic thing we love the four <laughs> mic thing, so hopefully we can. can even put something else together in the future <laughs> for those that's listening or even just you know if you have any creative idea also I, I have some ideas out there that i often want to have but it's, i don't know anybody out there either, <laughs> you know? we, don't, we don't really have that many friends we keep our head down when we working and stuff but would love to put something special together bring some people in you know have some conversations yeah. we maybe even switch up mics so i can get up and have some let somebody else have the mic you know maybe put something together fun like that let's do it by the pool maybe you know <laughs> that sounds fun yeah you know we talking about um building a community you know like i think oftentimes especially here in la la could be clickish clickish at times like a yeah. lot of places atlanta's like that too and it's always contingent upon who you know you know and i think oftentimes in our space we don't often create a community of people like-minded individuals who right. we can create I think if I get with you and you and you and we all collectively come up with ideas, I have some strengths that may not be your strengths. You got some strengths that may not be my strengths and so forth and so on. Yeah. And if we work together and nobody has to be the man or the woman, you know, we can build a community where we can create content and it's like mind blowing. You know, I'm yeah. all about life changing aspects you know when i'm thinking about one of my struggles over the last year or so has been what do i want to do next you know what do i want to create next and we just came up with a host of 
new ideas of things that we want to do. And my wife stay on me about scheduling and doing it because <laughs> I have it in my mind. I'll have it. I'll even write it down. I'll put it in my phone. But sometimes we are bombarded with life, paying bills, living, all those types of things that we don't allow the creative things that unlocks the door for the opportunities we desire to manifest for us. And so I think it's it's cool when you have like-minded individuals who are creatives and you get together and you guys feed off one another and you make each other better. You know what I'm saying? And I think since I've been here in LA, I mean, I've had, I had some friends here cause I used to come here uh, for work, you know, prior to moving here. So I had people I know here, but I've always dreamed of creating this community. And that's something me and her talk about often is like building a community of people who you guys can help one another with, with projects and things and you're creative because there's a lot of people doing that. Like you got the Kevs on stages and you got the Tony yeah. Bakers. Those guys started yeah. out here in LA, you know, they didn't know each other prior to that, but they've built that relationship that report one another and they've built a community over a, a, a span of, I don't know how many years, but now you see them in each other's things all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes when you when you meet people and I'm pretty leery on relationships at times because when you move to a new place and although I know people here, I've never really gotten into the space of building and growing with people on projects because I wasn't doing I wasn't in the industry. I took a break from the industry for years, you know. So it was like, well, I, I don't know those people anymore and they don't know me because I became detached. You know, you, you, right. you take 10 years off, people forgotten about you, you know? So I think we're at that, that space now where it's like, let's build a community of like-minded people so that we can all assist each other and we can grow. And we have, what's, what's the favorite word you like to use about it? Buku. <laughs> for those listening that means a lot a of buku <laughs> of content you know that helps feed people and help feed people's families and, and i'm not just talking about feeding them monetarily but also feeding their soul feeding their spirit feeding yeah. the people feeding their minds you know getting people to think differently so that they can move differently and they can be different so you know, that's kind of what we're working on is building this uh, Finch Rich Empire <laughs> and um, and growing with people here in L.A. You know what I'm saying? It's like she from New Orleans. She lived in Houston, having relationships there. Everything I've ever done that was successful came from the relationships I built. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my first big tour project that I was on came from the relationship I built with uh, vice president of Wells Fargo at the time. My next big thing came from another relationship. So I always believe in building healthy win-win relationships with people. And when you have that mindset to do that, everybody always wins and everybody always eats. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things I guess I do appreciate even about podcasting. A lot of my music relationships in the past, they just weren't the healthiest and just didn't yeah. go in, you know, the success way that you mm -hmm. that I really looked forward to but yeah podcast it doesn't it allows a completely different energy of people yep. Yep. you know 
And places like Matchmaker is a great place because it allows you to connect with other like-minded podcasters and you guys can feed off of one another and build with one another on your content and, and grow. So, you know. I have an opportunity to be here with you guys today. So, you know, we got to have an opportunity for you guys to be on my show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Definitely. And like I said, I'm grateful just to have you here. I love your shades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are my reading glasses. <laughs> Not lying, <laughs> yeah. I love them, man. <laughs> and it's it's been, you know, like I said, very genuine and magical yeah. feeling to have you. I really appreciate both of you coming. Thank you yeah. guys for having us. Yes. We've enjoyed being here for sure. We yeah. have. We have. And any links and, you know, everything where our listeners can... Oh, yeah. So, uh, just uh, every, everything, we have this headquarters. You just go to itsfinch.com and you can go everywhere from there. Social media, YouTube, wherever I'm connected, you can connect right at the hub at itsfinch.com. Okay. You ain't got no last word, babe. You got to give them some New Orleans before you get out of here. Something you got to, you got to, you heard me yeah, or something. Right about that because it's actually Mardi Gras. So. You know what? Hold on. Before we close out, I guess to go to New Orleans. Were you in New Orleans for Katrina? Yes, I was. Ooh. Yes, I was. I don't know how much time we have to share that whole story, but it was definitely an experience, uh, life changing to say the least. Um, but I was actually in new orleans during hurricane katrina and stayed after like i was there mm-hmm. once the hurricane hit walked outside talked to my people across the street at the marriott hotel from you know where we were staying at and things just seemed normal for a few days but life took a drastic change like the mm-hmm. thursday after katrina hit mm-hmm. and by that time we were running low on water food supplies and i just remember these buses come in and they were like, y'all got to get on these buses and leave out of the city. And I'm like, leave out of what city? I thought we were going back to the house. Like I just have a couple of clothes, you know, <laughs> I bought my little PE shorts so I could lounge around in. <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm going back to school, you know? No, I, Man. I was with my, my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, my brother, you know, a couple of, close family and um we ended up evacuating from new orleans to baton rouge to shreveport and it was like the worst time ever in life i was displaced from you know what i've grew up knowing family friends you know just having that walking out of your house and seeing your your loved ones you know realizing that that's never going to happen again because the next time i went back to katrina was six months later i mean Mm. went back to new orleans was six months later and some of those people who lived across the street for many many years like they didn't make it or they weren't coming back you know Mm. i had my grandfather true new orleans like to the day he died he refused to leave his house he had a house in the lower night ward with my grandmother. And, you know, he told her, oh, yeah, I'm going to meet y'all. Y'all go ahead. They went to Mississippi. Mm. Came back, found him a couple of months later, like, in the attic. He was like, I'm chilling. I'm going to stay here. So it was um, life-changing, uh, wow. realizing that, you know, the New Orleans that I grew up knowing was would never be the same. And I've gone back home, you know, since then because – I had a totally different outlook on life. I had an opportunity growing up to 
you know, travel the world at a young age, be a part of different programs that allowed me to connect with people and see different parts of the world. And so I just remember thinking, oh, I can't wait to get out of New Orleans. And then Katrina mm. happened. I was like, I'm never leaving New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay here, you know. Wow. <laughs> but it was because of the connections, you know, having your family, your friends. The um, condition. Yeah, just all taken away from a place that you know and love. It was it was crazy. How does it look to you now? Oh, like it looks different. Back? I mean, oh. it looks different every time. I uh. um I grew up in New Orleans East, which is like east side of the night war. So where you guys probably have heard all of the crazy stuff with, you know, levees being blown up and flooding taking over, you know, homes and stuff. Um, I remember when I went back, it was a smell like no other. And like to mm. this day, that smell mm. just I can smell mold and I'm like, it makes me sick to my stomach to mm. where I, I just kind of ball up in the inside because I never want to smell that feeling. I feel that again. Right. But um, it looked different that first time going back. Like this really happened. Like everything we had was gone. Like I remember taking pictures growing up and not having, I mean, our pictures were mildew and molded and yeah. you can even make out those things. Right. So that's why mm -hmm. I'm so attached to taking photos and, capturing yeah. a moment and living in the present because you only have right now and you can't worry about all of those other things that are materialistic in life so every time i go back to new orleans it just makes me appreciate family more because it's like this city was wiped out right mm -hmm. and it has i mean resilient people resilient place the food is good if you've never been to new orleans i <laughs> strongly urge it's been you a get long that experience. time for me yeah. been, oh man you've it's, never been no never been Ooh. <laughs> I, I say all of these things about you know living through Katrina and and having everything taken away from you but the one thing you cannot take away from New Orleans people is the soul mm -hmm. and we are some resilient people who will give you all you know give you a good time give you a good laugh give you a good story or give you some good wisdom to help you maneuver through life because we been through it and understanding what it means to really bounce back you know not let something adversity or just things in life take you to a space where you feel like you can never come back from because it's possible you know when you hit that rock bottom sometimes it's like damn that's it yeah. <laughs> when you realize it's like yeah that's it but you only have no other place but to go up right. so you know being from new orleans and experiencing katrina definitely taught that to me and i Every chance I get, whether it's going back home for crawfish or just sitting in family's, you know, living room, things look different, but it's a reminder that, yeah, we made it. So yeah. it's it's definitely an experience. I try not to talk we, too much. No, about it we definitely going to dive deeper into that on, <laughs> yeah. the, on the, the, I guess, the next time we get a chance to come together because, you know. I was there in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, when it happened. So yeah. it was a, just a different experience. And it's like, yeah, it's a long time ago yeah. as yeah. we think about it. But it was still an experience like no other. So yeah. I, I definitely would like to, you know, we're going to touch on that yeah. the next time we, we come together as well. Yes. When we go to New Orleans, what's one restaurant we have to try? Uh oh <laughs> Or if two. It's still there. Because I don't know. Y'all going to have to pay me for an ad because I'm yeah. going to go my kitchen in. <laughs> if I call out a certain restaurant. <laughs> one thing about New Orleans, you will find food everywhere, but sometimes it comes from just somebody's kitchen. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a restaurant. Gotcha. Like the spices, 
the you know seafood the different things that we put into our food is is made with love so you know i can't call out one restaurant with think That's without cool. thinking about 10 other ones this is really an experience so i'm gonna say my kitchen so maybe next time okay. we get together i'll cook y'all something from new orleans so you can so, understand you know because i yes. don't know when the next time y'all may be able to get to it but one thing i'm gonna give y'all a new Orleans experience so okay. <laughs> she's, right. she's east african so she also oh. she also understand that i guess when it comes to the cooking mm. you know she always say you know somebody at home can yeah cook yeah. a when little bit better than most of the restaurants yeah yeah because yeah. the restaurant is for other cultures and it's yeah. just it's never the same it's never the same now don't get me wrong there's some really good restaurants i've been trying to convince this one he's a, a tough critic mm. I, I may have spoiled <laughs> him a little bit <laughs> but there are there are a few uh of my favorites I'll, I'll tell you one it's this place called neos if you don't get to new orleans they do have locations in houston okay. and I, I think they're actually about to open up a location in atlanta but it's a family-owned seafood, New Orleans style. I mean, they've got red beans and rice, crawfish etouffee. You got oysters on the, you know, grilled, char grilled, um, gumbo, praline, <laughs> 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 cheesecake, <That> flavor, <laughs> <laughs> all the good stuff. So yeah, if you definitely get a chance to try Neos, I would say. Is that one of the places? Okay. Yeah, we had Neos, and you loved it. Okay, I'm just asking. <laughs> don't do new orleans don't I, i'm not going not. To, I, we was just there in january and i wasn't all that impressed uh i just think it was some of the choices the places <laughs> it was probably the time of day that they delivered the food and, no was it? it wasn't none of that what was it it was <laughs> uber eats oh, <laughs> oh okay yeah, yeah. so you know you you got fresh hot seafood you oh, gotta yeah. eat that fresh and hot yeah. but when it's being delivered to you it's just not the same right. you know versus a fresh hot plate coming at you and i don't eat seafood all the time so i'm saying i probably i'm yeah. kind of a critic as well so i i can understand and same for him so you which, know i try which to place variety. which food did we have from that place you told me uh so we had like stuffed shrimp uh, so but all was, of that would be that new for me. Yeah. Yeah. You never had stuff shrimp? Well, not, not no. at least not New Orleans style. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I'm positive I haven't. It's a different taste. Yeah, we had yeah. some cornbread dressing, so I don't know if you. Oh like yeah, it. I like dressing. I like yeah. Yeah, we do dressing. Yeah, you tried to eat all of it. I had to hide it. So. Oh, that that was good. <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> you making me hungry? It sound like her. I, I had to hide. I'm hungry, y'all. Yeah. I yeah. told y'all at the beginning of this. <laughs> yeah. She was. <laughs> but one thing I live and love and breathe food, so mm. you know. Yeah. I'm always down to talk about good food, good restaurants, good places to eat, whether it's New Orleans or or not. <laughs> oh, thank you, babe. I don't want you to mess up these good people's recordings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> but we'd like to thank our listeners um, and our viewers for listening in. Um, it's okay. been an amazing conversation. Great energy. Yeah. Like I said, definitely grateful to have both of you here again. And you can find the podcast at americangypsy.com. And like Finn said, it's a headquarters. You can find links to our um, uh, merch, uh, consistent self-improvement merch, as well as classics music. Uh, you yeah, you can find uh, music at classic, K-L-A-C-C-I-K, Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A, -C -C -E sorry. 
Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, YouTube, um, all major platforms. Um, some cello music, a couple of vocals, some, some instrumental stuff. Um, thank you again. And consistent self-improvement to everybody. Um, thank you and peace. peace.